Broadcasting live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook, it's In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. I want to thank you very much for making my day in the sun so memorable. Man, Gus, the way he prepares, there's, there's not anything that we would miss that this offense is going to do. And we know what they're going to do before it happens. He puts it on the board. He makes it loud and clear. Hey, let's focus on this. This is how this team want to attack us. And so it's crystal clear what, what he does. And he gives us a lot of information. And it's, us, it's up to us to process it. But um, come Sunday, we prepare all throughout the week. And we're always ready to roll. That was Raiders linebacker K.J. Wright talking about one of the uh, one of the people of the hour, uh, let's put it that way, for the Raiders uh, and somebody that I think people are starting to realize um, how important uh, he is, what an important hire the Gus Bradley hire was when the Raiders reached out and got him and reeled him in uh, in January. And I know, um, talking to some people, there were four – Five other teams that were interested uh, in Gus Bradley. So um, John Gruden had to put on his recruiting hat, to say the least, and navigate some pretty choppy waters just trying to make it happen before Gus ended up someplace else. And that's just the fact of the matter of it is. And I know that John Gruden felt like bringing in the right defensive coach was critical to getting this thing back on track and getting that defense to a place where it could be an asset rather than the liability it's been for so many years uh, here with the Raiders, and that's exactly what it's been, an asset for the first two games of the season. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I'm Vinny Bonsignor, and you're in the huddle, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We are live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sports Book. If you're nearby, come on by. Plenty of televisions, uh, great food, great drinks. Uh, lots of fun. By the way, you can, you always know you're in Las Vegas uh, when you look across the way and there is somebody that's sleeping, like straight up sleeping, sitting down in a chair, arms crossed, at a you know uh, inside the restaurant uh, part of, uh, of of a, of a restaurant here at Treasure Island, sleeping. Uh, maybe he's just taking a nap because you know in Las Vegas it's 24/7. You don't know whether it's light out, dark out. Gloomy, sunny, it doesn't matter when you're in a casino uh, and rolling around and doing your thing. And sometimes you just need to catch a little bit of a, of a nap uh, before you get back to the action. Uh, but again, if you're in the area, we're here at the Treasure Island at the Golden Sportsbook, uh, the Golden Circle Sportsbook uh, here at the TI. It's truly a great spot. It's where we are every Friday uh, throughout the rest of the season. And don't forget, tomorrow uh, we are at uh, the, the uh, uh, Rockstar Bar and Grill. Uh, on Las Vegas Boulevard, right across the street. If you uh, if you could picture this, right across the street from the Town Center Square, uh, near the golf course, uh, the Las Vegas Golf Course. Uh, so we'll be there, Q Myers and myself, uh, five o'clock till whenever. Uh, inviting all NFL fans, all Raider fans, to get together. It's our tradition now. The day before Raider home games over at Legion Stadium, but there'll be great music, giveaways. Um, you, if you were there last the last time a couple of weeks ago, you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, it was off the chain. We really appreciate the support, uh, and it was fun getting to meet everybody, and likewise, uh, hopefully, uh, but we'll be taking questions, 
uh, just taking pictures and just getting to know everybody. That's what it's all about. It's football. It's supposed to be fun. There'll be some great college football games uh, on, on the television as well. And, of course, we'll be talking about the Raiders against the Dolphins on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. And, by the way, we're doing so, a little bit of homework. You know, the Raiders started 2-0. and They started 2-0 and last year. So nothing norm, uh, abnormal about that. It's, uh, they're in uh, familiar waters right now. What they want to avoid, obviously, is any sort of a fall. They, they need to keep this up. And it's something that they haven't been able to do in doing our homework since 2002 was the last time the Raiders started a season 3-0. It's been that long since the Raiders started the season 3-0. To put that in perspective, I was a reporter in Los Angeles covering everything from Shaquille O'Neal and the Lakers and Kobe Bryant and Phil Jackson to Pete Carroll, Troy Palomalo, Carson Palmer, Justin Fargus uh, over at USC. There were some great high school uh, sports that I was covering uh, in the San Fernando Valley, just players and, and you know that would eventually be in the NFL, be in the NBA, um, Jordan Farmar over at Taft High School. Uh, it was a great time, but it was a long time ago, and that's the point. It's been way too long since the Raiders started a season 3-0, and and you know the connection to that. I know John Gruden was in Tampa Bay by then. Um, still not quite sure how that all worked out or how that all happened, how he left the Raiders to go coach the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but we don't need to get into that. The point is, is that the team in 2002, that Raider team in 2002, let's be honest, even with John having moved on to the Tampa Bay, Buc- Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that was the team that John Gruden built. John Gruden built that 2002 Raiders team, along with, you know, there was obviously some help, uh, scouts and GMs and everything else but that's his team that was his team he ended up coaching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that beat the Raiders in the Super Bowl and oh by the way just a reminder the last time the Raiders started a season three and oh they went to the Super Bowl they had the misfortune of facing their former coach the, the the very coach who built that team in the Super Bowl and John Gruden and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers we all know how that turned out but the point is is that John Gruden built the 2002 team He's obviously had a huge hand in building this version of the Raiders, and it's looking like a pretty darn good team at this point. They're t- they're two and zero right now, and uh, to the callers uh, that are online, uh, we are going to get to you in just a couple of minutes. But thanks for calling, and we'll be we'll get right to you. Um, you know, so so listening to KJ Wright, a disciple, uh, one of the one of the uh, uh, many Gus Bradley disciples that that are that are on this version of the Raiders, talking about um, you know Gus Bradley and the impact that he's had, and and it's it just seems like Gus and the players that they've brought in, whether you're talking about KJ Wright, whether you're talking about Denzel Perryman or Casey Hayward or Yannick Ngakwe. Quinton Jefferson, uh, Solomon Thomas, Darius Phylon, all these defensive players who um, in many ways have connections to Gus Bradley uh, or are one degree removed from Gus Bradley in some form or fashion. uh, Between Gus and the newcomers and the emergence of some young players that are taking steps in the right direction, Jonathan Abram comes to mind, obviously Max Crosby playing out of his mind right now uh, comes to mind. 
it just feels like I'm not going to say that that was the final piece of the puzzle. This is going to always be an ongoing process. Every team in the league, there's never no no team is a complete puzzle. There's always something. There's always a piece that you're looking for. There's always uh, another missing piece that you're trying that you're striving for, trying to gather, get, uh, locate. Uh, but for this Raiders team, which is about as complete a team as the Raiders have had in a long time. I think Gus Bradley and what he's done on defense, whether it's bringing in players or coaching up the guys that were already here, has made such a huge difference. We've talked about it all the time. We were speculating about it. We were wondering about it. I know Raider Nation was obviously hoping that uh, the, the coaching change and the personnel additions and the maturation of, of uh, players' holdovers from the last couple of years was all going to come together, but we can only do so much talking about it and fans can only do so much hoping about it throughout the course of the off season and then OTAs and then training camp. It obviously had to happen on the field and two games in that's exactly what's happening. And as I watched this Raiders defense and listened to guys like KJ Wright and Gus Bradley and unique and Gawkway and everyone that, you know, that, that we've been able to talk about. And then you start listening to, some of the analysts, some of the you know uh, pro football focus people, some of the some of the um, sites out there that you know are devoted to kind of digging as deep as they possibly can into things and hearing them talk in positive and hopeful terms about these Raiders in terms of you know what there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to keep this up this year. I know the Raiders have been down that path last year. They were two and zero the year before. They started six and two. But those teams, and, and I caught the tail end of the 2019 team. I was there all last year for the 2020 team. Uh, as, as, as many improvements that had, you know, were in the process of being made in John Gruden's second year and then third year, it was obvious that there were still a lot of holes that the Raiders needed to take care of um, going into the 2021 offseason. And so they were flawed teams, and there's no, it's not necessarily a big surprise that they faltered in 2019 down the stretch, that they faltered last year down the stretch. Let's face it, that defense couldn't stop anybody, not on any consistent basis. They gave up 30 points a game last year. So it was kind of a hope and a prayer that the Raiders' offense was going to be able to put up 34, 35 points a game, which they were capable of, uh, of doing, but it's it's too much to ask an offense to do that week in and week out, uh, game after game after game. There were, it was inevitable that they were going to have some games where they just weren't on top of things, and that's when you have to have a defense that you can truly rely on, and unfortunately the Raiders didn't. So, you know, when you see and talk about and think about how they faltered down the stretch these last couple of years, there were valid reasons why. It wasn't just because they just – you know, uh, inexplicably fell apart. There were like signs pointing to ah, this could be a little bit dicey coming down the stretch. But you look at this team and the way this defense is playing, all of a sudden you start thinking that would be a surprise if they hit some major wall. Now, short of, you know, a, a slew of devastating injuries, that's something that you can't account for. When you visualize and look at and think about this current roster in this current state, there's no reason why this team can't keep this up. They're not going to win 17 games. I'm not saying that. But they're going to be, I think, competitive in every game that they play. 
they're going to be able to, should be able to beat the teams uh, that they uh, should beat. And I think they're going to be able to stand toe-to-toe with pretty much any team on, 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 their, uh, on their schedule from this point forward. There's no team that I think is the perfect team out there that there's no chance that the Raiders can beat. I can't always say that we could have said that these last couple of years. This year, the way that defense is playing, it changes things. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Justin is on the line. How you doing, Justin? Hey, Vinny, can you hear me? I got you, brother. Hey, happy Friday, guys. Yeah, I just want to comment on the defense as well. You know, uh, throughout the offseason, uh, we talk a lot about Derek Carr and what's holding this team back, and I think it was pretty unanimous that it, it was the defense that's been holding this team back, and I was never that that big of a hater of Paul Gunther because, you know, if you have you either have the talent or not on defense, and I, I don't think we had that talent last year. I think there's, you know, like you talked about on the show the other day, the Gus Bradley effect. Think about how many playmakers we've propped just because of that guy's, uh, you know, relationship with past teams. So um, it's pretty drastic, though, I think, the defensive improvements they've made from last year. Like, just you know, your, caver- your casual, everyday uh, NFL fan, I-, I think the Raiders' defense have been passing the eye test on a week-to-week basis. It's, it's noticeable how much a little bit of pass rush um, can-, can do for this defense, and it, and it, leaves- it eases the burden on everybody else in the defense. I, I think I saw a PFF stat that said something like Max Crosby and, and Ngakwe are both top five in, in uh, pressures on the opposing quarterbacks, and it's I, I can't think of you know uh, you know a unit on another football team that has made drastic improvement. I, I know it's early. I know it's only been two games. We we did play a former MVP in Lamar, and and we played uh, a shell of Big Ben last week. But um, it's you know you flip on the TV this time last year and you watch what you've been watching the last two weeks. It's a totally different unit, man. I just think enough can't be said about about what Gus Bradley has meant to this. Uh, defense and it really has made me a believer in what what a coordinator switch like that can do because it's been pretty pretty amazing what they've done so far yeah and you know you mentioned uh max crosby and you mentioned uh, unique and gawkway uh you know for for obvious reasons they're playing great but don't sleep also on a guy like carl nassib he's grading out close to 80 um so you know if you're going by pro football focus and you're looking at edge rushers max crosby is ranked number one Unique Ngakwe is ranked number uh, seven, and he played last week with a, a hamstring issue. And 17 is Carl Nassib coming off the bench. You know, that's worth its weight in gold that he's playing that good, that he's given the Raiders those kind of quality snaps coming off the bench. It's a, uh, it's a luxury, really, uh, and that was what you know, Gus Bradley and Ron Marinelli uh, were, were striving for. We'll dig into the defensive tackle uh, grades as well, and I would imagine that those guys are grading uh, pretty pretty well as well. So it's a collective effort from that defensive line, and I think all of them will tell you that whatever they're doing individually is also um, the culmination and the result of what they're doing collectively. If you watch the Raiders' defensive line this year, and we've mentioned that, they've gotten to the quarterback and they've created the pressure that they've created literally with four uh, defensive rushers. They've, they've blitzed only three times in two games. I want to say that's the fewest blitzes in the NFL across that period of time. So the, to be able to get it done with four defensive linemen consistently the way they are is another worth its weight in goal because then you can drop seven players in pass coverage and good luck 
you know, finding openings and finding open ground uh, in, in, in that regard. Even when you do complete a pass, generally speaking, there's going to be somebody fairly close by to make the tackle. So between the pass rush they're get, that they're getting with four players and four players that play in and play out are playing really well as a group, and then what they're able to do then on the back end because they don't have to devote an extra body to rushing the passer, they could devote everybody else, everyone else on that field, seven players strong, to pass coverage. Uh, it just makes for the perfect kind of situation. And I'll say this as well, too. They will blitz from time to time. They're going to blitz. What's great about how they've done it so far is they've got blitz packages that are sitting in their back pocket right now that they haven't needed, that they will at some point, um, whether it's just because they're trying to create more pressure or they're trying to drop a little surprise on somebody that hasn't seen squat yet uh, on film that they have at their disposal. So the more they, they can get by with just the four rushers and show uh, as, as, as few of their blitz packages as possible, the better it might pay off down the line because guys are going to have a d- difficult time blocking it because they haven't seen it. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line, Raider Dave, or excuse me, Raider 27. How you doing, Raider 27? Hey, Vinny. What's how, up, man? How are you, brother? I'm good. Um, I've been watching a lot of uh, Miami, and I actually watched the Raiders and Miami both this afternoon. And I got to tell you, this is this game's not going to be a pushover. No, not at all. In the first all. place, there's no such thing as an easy win in the NFL. Every win in the NFL is a hard-fought battle. And I don't think that score was really – I mean, it was a lopsided score, and I'm not going to sit here and try to say that Miami played really well and just happened to lose. Miami made a bunch of mistakes that cost them dearly. The Bills made Miami pay for every mistake. But their secondary strong, their offensive line just didn't pick up blitzes. That was their only problem. Buffalo blitzed them a bunch of, a few times that they didn't pick up and they turned into big plays. And, and I, I think, you know, I just want to win the game by one point. You know, Link, I love Lincoln. I'm still looking for your jersey, Lincoln. If you're listening, I'm still looking. I'm, someday I'll get one. But... I don't really buy in uh, we need to be blowing teams out, especially right now in September. Now, in December, when we're making our playoff push and we play a team that doesn't have a very good record, yeah, we need to blow that team out. We, we need to, you know, stay on top of our business and blow that team out. But right now, a one-point win's fine with me. Just win, baby. You know, what? let's just do that. Yeah, uh, talk to me on Sunday, Raider 27, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right around like the beginning of the third quarter. I'll see what your, your thoughts are on, on, on all that uh, at that point in the game. I hear you, but I, you know what? I, I just think that, and, and there's no doubt, and I asked Derek Carr about this specifically because last year, and I was at um, Allegiant Stadium watching that game, covering that game against the Miami Dolphins last year. The reason it was even where it was at that point and that was one of the better defensive efforts by the by the Raiders, more more than anything, because Tua just was not seeing the field in that game. There were open wide receivers uh, that Tua could have thrown to that, for whatever reason, he just wasn't quite there yet uh, in terms of his maturation uh, to make the plays that were there. There were some plays that were that were there for the making, 
Um, but it looked like, because of that, it looked like a really good defensive effort by the, by the Raiders. Um, and the only reason it was even close at that point late in the game where the Raiders literally had to make a decision, do you score the touchdown uh, and, and, and leave you know, a little bit more time left on the clock for uh, Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins, or do you bleed as much clock as possible and let them drain all their timeouts and kick a field goal as opposed to the touchdown uh, and, and leave them in a situation where they'd have 19 seconds left on the clock and no timeouts? The reason it came to that, my point is because the Miami Dolphins' defense was pretty darn good in that game. And I don't necessarily think that anything has really changed in that regard. They're going to come in here defensively pretty um, confident because they know that they handled the Raiders, the Raiders' offense last year. That was a high-powered Raiders' offense. It scored the 10th most points uh, in the NFL. And the Miami Dolphins did a pretty darn good job of neutralizing it and making that a close game and it shouldn't have been a close game because their, their, their offense wasn't doing squat up until, you know, what, uh, the fourth quarter? Or I can't remember when Fitzpatrick actually took over in that game. Might have been into the fourth quarter. So asking Derek Carr, like, hey, you know, whatever you want to say, and I know it's a different year, but that defense handled a pretty good offense last year. And he's like, he looked at me, he's like, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's no reason for us to be sleeping on anybody going into this game against the Miami Dolphins because you're darn right they handled uh, the offense last year. And the Raiders don't expect anything less in terms of effort, in terms of scheme, in terms of efficiency by this Miami Dolphins defense. So they're going to have to – they have their hands full dealing with this offense. That said, I think the Raiders are the better team. I think that there's some uh, ways that they're going to be able to exploit some weaknesses on the Miami Dolphins. And I think, I think they have a chance uh, to, to – not an easy one because there's never an easy one in the NFL. But I think that this could be a game where it gets into the fourth quarter and the Miami Dolphins might be throwing up the white flag and the, the, the Raiders might be able to celebrate a little bit earlier than normal. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Dave is in Denver. How you doing, Raider Dave? I'm pretty good. I uh, ended up listening to a national radio show today and heard a, a – that or a fact, I guess, that I was blown away at. And it presents that if the Raiders win this game, they will have done something that no other NFL team has ever done. Let me, I don't uh, know if you heard this. Let me think about this one for a second. Keep talking. Three wins to start the season okay. against three opponents that had records last year, the previous year, of 10 wins or more. I was going to say double-digit wins, yeah, because I know the Dolphins didn't make the playoffs. Their 10 wins didn't get them into the playoffs, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they're already – I think they're already the first team since 1966 to start a season 2-0 and against teams that had made the playoffs the previous year. So um, This would be amazing. The other question I have is I checked um, on – I think it was rlabs.com or something like that about a, a depth chart. I checked it yesterday. I didn't look at it today. But – that does not list a backup quarterback to Jacoby Brissett. So what happens if he gets hurt? Are they going back to the Wildcat like they did in Ricky days? No, what I, what I think that they're going to do, uh, and his name is Reed. i got to look at his name. But they have a practice squad quarterback. Uh, don't forget that, and he's been practicing. Um, you, you, practice squad players practice with, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the big squad. 
uh, day in and day out. So uh, what they'll do is promote him by 4 o'clock on Saturday. I'd be shocked if they didn't. I mean, if they did, that would be a story right there. But they have a practice squad quarterback that's been with them, that's been practicing with them. Uh, they, don't have, they don't have to rush into, into, into promoting him. But remember, you're able now in 2021, just like you were last year because of uh, COVID, it changed the rules. But you can elevate um, two practice squad players to your active roster uh, as long as you do it by 4 p.m. Yeah, uh, Eastern time the day before the game. So they'll have a backup quarterback. It's their practice squad quarterback. Uh, and if you give me a second or two uh, after the break, I'll let you know exactly who that is. But it's still a vulnerable position that they're in. And that's why, you know, when, when people talk about, you know, carrying three quarterbacks as the Raiders do and is it worth the investment, I think it is. Um, I, I, I think it is. Uh, unless you're, you know, talking about a situation where you have an experienced guy that's on your practice squad, and that's, that's going to be far and few between. So I think it's worth the investment and the roster spot that it takes up just to have that security. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook here at Treasure Island. It's starting to get packed here, uh, but plenty of uh, seats available. If you're nearby, just come on by. We've got all these college football games on. There's baseball, uh, the Boston Red Sox in some funky kind of uniform, playing the New York Yankees. Are you kidding me? So come on by if you're nearby. The Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Oh, yeah. We're having some fun at the Golden Circle Sportsbook at the Treasure Island. It's Friday night in Las Vegas. It's game, Raider game weekend. We're going to be here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook from 4 to 6 p.m. It's already past 4, Vinny, till 6 p.m. And who knows how much longer after that. Uh, and then tomorrow over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill, Q Myers. You guys know who Q Myers is. Uh, and I will be at the Rockstar Bar and Grill starting at 5 o'clock. Uh, we're inviting all Raider fans, just like we did a couple of weeks ago, uh, to come join us. It's the new tradition of hanging out the day before a Raiders home game. There will be live music, prizes, giveaways, all that good stuff. Great food, great drinks. Rockstar Bar and Grill tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We are going to go out to, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m., we're going to go right out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in my good friend, Jesse Merrick, uh, from the local NBC affiliate here in Las Vegas. You could follow him at Jesse News 3 lv Jesse, I got a quick question for you. You ready? Yeah, let's get it, man. All right. I hate to put you on the spot, but I will <laughs> admit to you that 10 minutes ago I had no idea myself what I'm about to ask you. All right? So here we go. Do you know who Reed Sinet is? I, I do know because I was listening, he, and I was just reading up a bit before. He's a backup <laughs> quarterback for the Dolphins, but I couldn't tell you anything else about him. Like, I know nothing else whatsoever about the kid. All right. Well, then I don't feel so bad myself. 
I don't think many people yeah. do know who, and that's nothing against you, Reed Sinet. You're in the NFL. God bless you. Uh, you're one of the top 1% in this world uh, at what you do. But he is the yeah. – it looks like he will be the uh, backup quarterback on Sunday for the Miami Dolphins, backing up uh, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, when the when the Dolphins go to uh, or visit Allegiant Stadium and the Raiders, so they're in a little bit of an iffy situation there. Needless to stay, uh, going with a, a second year player from San Diego University, by the way. Um, oh, there you yeah, indeed. yes, exactly. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's old uh, haunting grounds, so uh, that goes a little way back. But anyway, that's who Reed Sinet is, and I'm going to start there. Exactly that uh, place at quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, on the, on, on, on the surface, this looks like a nice matchup for the Raiders after two really tough games, not saying that anything's going to be easy on Sunday. Uh, but they may have caught a little bit of a break uh, with, with the, where the Miami Dolphins are right now, not only at quarterback, but that offensive line. Yeah, that offensive line has struggled in a big way, and I think that's even kind of an understatement. I know in the uh, last game against uh, Buffalo, uh, you know, four of their five starters gave, gave up four pressures apiece, and we know how this defensive line is played for the Raiders, so that's big. And then you also go and look at the fact that Jacoby Brissett, you know, one thing with Tua, a lot of people obviously knock his game, and, you know, there's some merit in some areas, but he's a guy that has gotten the ball out fairly quick. Jacoby Brissett holds on the ball a long time. He averages 2.9 seconds throw, which is a long time in the NFL, if you give guys like Max and Unique that kind of time, that's kind of a scary thing, especially with what we've seen from this defense. So that, to me, you know, screams advantage for the Raiders. And uh, I want to throw this at you because um, it looked like uh, the Dolphins had a lot of trouble um, on blitz pickups. And ironically, the Raiders aren't blitzing whatsoever, basically. They've had three blitzes. Uh, through the first two games, which I think is dead last in the NFL or the least in the NFL. Want to want to couch that correctly? But do you think this is a game where maybe Gus Bradley is looking at that film and saying, you know, if there's one game where maybe we need to dial some stuff up, uh, this might be it? Or do you think he just says, look, we're getting it done with four guys as it is. Let's give that a shot yeah. first, and then figure out if we need to go to the blitz package. Yeah, I think it's going to be a mix of kind of both. I think they'll stick to his guns and do what's got him there first, you know, and see if they're able to get home with it without bringing anybody else. But, uh, you know, if, if it's not coming, you better believe he's going, to, he's going to throw in a couple extra rushers in there, a couple of some blitzers and stuff here and there to mix things up, you know. And they've done it a lot with the, the nickel. Not, not a lot, because, again, you mentioned the numbers, but when they have done it, Nate Hobbs has come on a blitz and he's been effective. Um, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see that, you know, a couple times here or there. But, yeah, I think it's one of those things where, hey, look, this O-line is struggling whether it's against the blitz or not. I think that Bradley's going to stick to his guns because he's a guy that doesn't really blitz a ton as it is. But, you know, week to week, you're obviously going to add some tweaks in there. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bit of heat. But, man, I mean, the way that defensive line has looked, I think he's going to let those guys go out there and try and see if they can get it done themselves. We're talking to Jesse Merrick uh, from Channel 3 here in Las Vegas. You can follow him at Jesse News 3, or 3LV. Uh, it's a local NBC affiliate. Uh, Jesse, we spoke so much during the offseason about what the Raiders were doing on that defensive line. And, you know, on paper it looked pretty good. Like Unique Ngakwe, Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, Darius Phylon, who, you know, hadn't been in football for the last two years but had done some pretty nice things uh, earlier in his career. Um, Max Crosby and, and, you know, Clee Farrell, they drafted Malcolm Kuntz. But that was on paper. And I think we were projecting, yeah, maybe this could be a pretty good defensive line. Well, it's turned out thus far, two games, small sample size, to be a pretty darn good defensive line. Any surprise 
that it's come together as quickly uh, as it has and it's been as lethal as it's been? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a bit surprised just simply from the fact of, like, you know, as we inch closer to the season, you could even hear kind of, uh, you know, a couple of the guys, and you could hear Mayock and Gruden kind of stepping back a bit and saying, yeah, there's potential, but potential doesn't mean anything. You know, they weren't kind of pumping it up. You know, maybe they were trying to temper expectations. But, um, you know, I, I expected the D-line to be improved. Like, there was no doubt about that. But I didn't expect what we've seen thus far. I mean, look at Max Crosby, the leading the league in pressures and QB hits. I mean, you know, if anybody out there would have guessed that, then, you know, props to you for that. I know Unique said, you know, that he and uh, Crosby were going to be the best rushing edge duo in the league. I mean, you know, it's hard to argue against that, the way things happen. I kind of was like, all right, hey, let's pump the brakes on that. But, man, they've come out and flat out took it to the teams they've played against. And don't get me wrong, like the teams they've played against have had issues along the offensive line, and they will continue to this week. But you don't control who you play. You control what you do once you get out there. And at the end of the day, these are all guys getting an NFL paycheck. So, I can't knock what the Raiders have done defensively one bit, and especially not on the defensive line, because they've been the motor for that team. So it's been awesome, and I think that's one thing that we'll kind of see. You know, randomly guys here and there will pop up with sacks, you know, where whether it was Solomon Thomas in the previous one, and Darius Pylon making some plays here and there. You know, who knows who's going to jump up from week to week. We know that Max and Unique are going to be those guys, but as the games kind of go on, I bet you there's going to be some people down there in the middle of the defense to kind of start eating a little bit more because of what Max and Unique are going to have to draw attention-wise. Well, let's stay right there with Unique because um, did he see something or did he just will it into existence? Because he literally spoke that into existence. They are, as we speak, the best pass rush duo in the NFL. We kind of, I, I wouldn't say we rolled our eyes when he said it, but we were like, whoa, that's, that's a pretty bold statement. Well, two games into it, he's absolutely right. Yeah, he is, and that's that's the thing. I'm I'm with you there, man. When he said it, I was like, all right, let's let's see what happens. Because I mean, the potential was there, and like obviously, you know, Max is one of those guys that puts in the work. I, I, he must have just seen the work that Max was putting in because he has come back. You know, and last year was a down year for him. We obviously saw what he did his rookie year, but Max has come back and has been on fire. I mean, you know, he's obviously in a much better place, you know, in his personal life and everything like that. And I think that's showing out on the field. Even more so. I mean, if it were possible, the kid has even more of a motor, which I would have never in a million years think you could even add even more to what he already had in the tank. So it's been a lot of fun to just watch that and see the two of them play off of that. So it's one of those things where, you know, Gruden and, and Mayock and everyone really powered home about how much you need a rush, how much that that pass rush would change things for him on defense. And it's a wonder what it's done for them. I mean, everybody at each different level, is their job is so much easier. You know, we've seen it turn into the interception there in the last game uh, for Trayvon Mullen. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it affects every level of defense. And when you've got a quarterback there running for his life, you know, that's going to rush things on offense. And especially when you're going up against a backup in Jacoby Brissett, who, you know, at times he's been started here and there. But, you know, that's the thing where you look at that, and that is a total game changer for a defense. So if they continue to what they do, to do what they've been doing, I mean, you know, we, all, we talked all offseason about the Raiders' defense just needs to be, you know, middle of the road. I mean, they're better than that. And so this team really takes a step to the next level if this defense continues to do that. I mean, it's, it's incredible to see the turnaround so quickly. And to your point, Casey Hayward uh, is grading out as one of the better cornerbacks uh, in the NFL. So, And I, I, a lot of that is what he's doing just individually. But i got to imagine what they're doing up front is contributing to that as well. So... They're, this defense is connected, and they're on the same page, and they're absolutely uh, helping each other, each other out, and that was what they needed to do, and that's exactly what they're doing. On the other side of the ball, obviously, um, you know, some, some issues on the offensive line. 
uh, injury, inexperience, uh, and otherwise. And it's contributed to a bit of a choppy uh, run game. Obviously, Josh Jacobs being uh, banged up hasn't helped, didn't play last week, won't play again this week, it doesn't look like anyway. Um, What can the Raiders do, do you think, uh, to manufacture some semblance of a run game to take a little bit of pressure off Derek Carr in that pass game? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, continue to do what they've done in terms of, you know, pushing the ball down the field when those opportunities are there and, you know, take advantage of the short passing game. Gruden's a guy that has so much of that in the bank, and if you're able to do that and do it successfully, that should hopefully open up some running lanes and and kind of push the defense back a bit to be able to get you going there. But I think, you know, it's one of those things you do have to get it going because how long can you continue on this thread with that much of a lackluster run game? Obviously, it's different when Josh Jacobs is out there you know, but man, you, you really got to get that going just for some balance. But you know, again, so far they've been able been able to kind of manufacture a bit of a run game with the use of the short passing game. So I think I'll kind of connect the two because look at what Kenyon Drake has been able to do out of the backfield catching the ball. We saw that all throughout training camp and knew that was going to be a piece of the offense. But now it's even more so with Josh being the situation that he's been. So I think they'll get uh, you know Kenyon Drake involved even more so in the passing game to kind of open things up that way. And we have to kind of count those, I think, short passes to him as an extension of the run game. Given that, uh, exactly what you just said with, with how the run game you know hasn't quite been there, but they're still manufacturing yards, they're still manufacturing points. Uh, obviously, Derek Carr deserves so much credit. Um, he's, I think, improved from last year, and I thought he was pretty darn good last year. But how much of a tip of the cap can we give to John Gruden in what he's able to do as a play caller, as a play schemer, and somebody that whatever the issue might be, he can coach around it in order to compensate for it. Yeah, you definitely do, because I think if you would have told Raider Nation or anyone out there for that matter, uh, you know, that they would be doing what they've done or not doing what they haven't done in the run game thus far, there's no way anybody out there would have said they'd be 2-0, you know? So that, to me, speaks volumes what he and Carr have been able to do in terms of overcoming that obstacle. I mean, and again, also a hat tip to, to Cable, too, for continuing to just work with what he has. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody else on that coaching staff has earned his paycheck more over the last couple of years than him. But definitely with Gruden coming in there and being opportunistic as well in the times that they call it. You know, that's Gruden's game. He's going to hit you with that those short passing games, you know, and take advantage of Carr's accuracy and his decision-making. And then he's going to try and catch his sleeping, and that's exactly what he did with Minka Fitzpatrick as he was trying to kind of cheat there on Darren Waller, and then he got beat. And that's that thing that's being opportunistic. You know, Gruden's good for a couple plays like that over the course of the game. And, I mean, so far he's executed it nearly flawlessly. Obviously, you know, everyone talks about the red zone scoring issues, and we saw that pop up big time last year in this game. I mean, uh, just as I was going back through the box score, kind of kind of jogged my memory of the course of the game, there were so many different field goals that were within, you know, 30 yards where they need to fix that. So, I think, uh, you know, see what they do against this Dolphins defense that had a lot of success last year just has kind of been real inconsistent this year. But so far, Gruden has done a great job calling the plays, mixing it up, real creative play calling that you'll love to see, especially when you don't have the run game going because we all know how much that man likes to run the ball. All right, Jesse, what were you doing in 2002, the last time the Raiders were 3-0? and Man, I was uh, 12 years old to show that I'm a baby. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember what I was looking. 2012. Oh shoot, that was when I graduated college. I graduated college in 2012. So 22, 2002. Oh, 2002. Sorry, yeah, yeah. So I was 12 years. I don't know what the heck I'm thinking here. Yeah, I was 12 years old. So yeah, I don't know what the heck I was doing at 12. Obviously, years old. Jerry didn't master. 
obviously Jesse didn't uh, major in math. Uh, let's just go there right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> exactly. Communications major right here. <laughs> <laughs> same here. Neither did I. So uh, we're all on the same page on that. But, you know, I, I threw that out there because it just shows how long it's been since the Raiders were 3-0. and I was writing about Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal and Pete Carroll and Troy Palomalo at USC, Carson Palmer at USC. It's ridiculous that it was that long. They have a chance to do that yeah. for the first time since then on Sunday. Uh, is that, do you believe that that's what's going to happen or any fear of a you know, little bit of a overlooking the, the, uh, the Miami Dolphins ahead to the Los Angeles Chargers? That's what you worry about, right, is, is them overlooking this team. Because, look, by all means, if you look at this game on paper, the, the Raiders should beat the Dolphins. And that's, you know, everyone and their mother has said it this week that, you know, that's the mark of a good team is beating the teams that you should beat. We saw them struggle in that area last year. So they have to get it done in this game and, and, and be able to show that they're different in that sense, you know, to be able to beat a team that they're, that they're favored against, a team that they should beat. So, you know, just for the simple fact of uh, keeping things rolling, I have picked against the Raiders both games to start the year. So I'm going to say that they can't do it for hopefully some reverse psychology that they actually come out and, and, and get it done and go to 3-0 and because so far it's worked for me picking against them and they proved me wrong both times. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jesse Merrick playing a little bit of reverse psychology on himself and the Raiders picking against them against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, all right, Jesse, I will see you out at the stadium. Uh, on Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Of course, man. Always appreciate it. Have a good one. You got it. That's Jesse Merrick from the local NBC affiliate here in Las Vegas. Uh, you could follow him at Jesse News 3LV as he hangs up on me. All right, Jesse, I'll, I'll remember that. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador in the uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, and we are live for another hour or so uh, at the Treasure Island, the Golden uh, Circle Sportsbook and Grill here at the Treasure Island. So if you're on the strip, if you're nearby, come by, say hello. I got some tickets here to give away. Uh, we could talk Raiders, NFL, whatever it is you want to talk about. Uh, the Treasure Island, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. See you here. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. got angel moving around over here with that give me that give me that (laughs) there you go there you go he's got a uh, concert coming up doesn't he i believe so here in las vegas we're gonna go right back out to the raider listener line guarab is on the line how you doing my man hey Vinny, how you doing doing very good very good thank you hey yes um i was calling uh yeah, I, I had a little bit of a concern with uh, Derek Carr. Um, you know, in 2016, yeah, he broke his leg, as we all know. And then um, in 2000, was it 2020, he had pulled his groin. And I guess he was out for that game for the Chargers game. And that game with the Chargers, I think we're still looking for, we still had a chance of getting into the playoffs, right? I think. And uh, this year, he hurt his ankles. Now, I'm concerned with the pressure coming from Miami with his bad ankle if he gets hit. And 
like if, if he just happens to get, you know, hit or, or he aggravates or it's somewhere around his leg or wherever it may happen, I'm concerned that, you know, he could re-aggravate the ankle and make it worse. I mean, are they, are they like, uh, looking into that, making sure they're going to have him protected for that? Well, I mean, uh, every game you go into in the NFL, you're trying to protect your quarterback. Uh, but you can't play scared. Um, and, uh, you know, watching uh, Derek Carr moving around at practice the last couple of days that, we're, that we were in there, um, uh, he doesn't look like he's favoring it or anything like that. Uh, Derek Carr is somebody that is very, very diligent in terms of, uh, you know, making sure he's doing everything – possible to be healthy to play on Sundays and that's even while he's asleep he's taking it to that level I asked him about that uh, uh, earlier this week about that mama mentality no I'm not trying to compare Derek Carr to Kobe Bryant Uh, never have never will and neither would he Uh, but that mentality of what's the obstacle and what do you have to do to, to to clear it whether it's an injury, an opponent, yourself, a weakness, no matter what it might be, just being the best possible version of yourself day in and day out, and that includes dealing with injuries when you're a professional athlete. And so he is extremely diligent in from the get-go, making it a point in his mind to say, I'm playing next Sunday, and guiding himself uh, to that place and allowing all of that to dictate everything that he does in order to be there. But to answer your question, I mean, anytime a quarterback drops back in the NFL against an NFL, uh, you know, pass rush, you, you know, uh, injuries could, could play a factor. Obviously, where Derek is right now health-wise, I doubt very seriously the ankle is 100%, so it's a concern. But you, it's something that I don't think the Raiders are thinking about. It's something that I don't think Derek Carr is necessarily thinking about it because the minute you start playing scared is the minute when bad things happen. So they need to get the offensive line in order period, exclamation point, not just because their quarterback uh, might be playing on a less than 100% uh, ankle. Uh, I think it was a great question, and there's no doubt that, you know, as a fan, you're thinking, okay, you know, uh, are they a little worried about that? What are they going to do to make sure that he doesn't get hit? But really, there's only a certain amount you can do, whether your quarterback is healthy or not. You just got to go out there and block it. Your guys have to be up to the challenge, and this will be a challenge for the uh, Raiders offensive line this is a good, uh, you know, Miami uh, Dolphins defense, obviously, and a good front as well. So, um, you know, it's something to be aware of, but I don't think they're going to overdo it uh, in terms of compensating or taking away from something uh, because they're worried about uh, Derek Carr's ankle. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Cap is on the line. How you doing, Cap? What's going on, Vinny? What's going on, what's going on man? Uh, man, I... Uh-oh. I'm losing you. Cap, if you uh, can hear me, give us a call back uh, when you get a chance because we lost you. We lost you. uh, And uh, give us a call on the other side. we got to go to a break right now. uh, But, Cap, I definitely want to talk to you. So definitely give us a call back. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. I was just about ready to say Lincoln Kennedy, but he's not here today. He's here Tuesdays through Thursdays. Uh, It is Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. on a Friday.